Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Today, Big Squid presents a new two-part episode of Space Podacy, the series that features comedian Ben Elwood and I discussing classic science fiction movies. Join us as we look back at the original Planet of the Apes. Hello, and look, we haven't had a Space Policy episode for a while, so it is great to not only be back with this podcast, but also it's a two-parter covering the original Planet of the Apes. Uh, I had not watched this movie in a while, and it was great to go back to. It's so good. And kind of feels like a sci-fi companion piece to Ben Elwood's ongoing series, Thank God for David Attenborough. Uh, that is the series of podcasts where Ben and his guests look back at the old Life on Earth series. And if you're not listening to it, you should check it out. It sounds great. It's a it's a real, really good piece of work. Probably the best thing Ben's made. So if you enjoy the work of Ben Elwood, uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, before we bring Ben in, a couple of quick points to get to for Adelaide people. I'll be home on June 3rd performing at the Rhino Room. Show starts at 7pm and you can find tickets over at adelaidecomedy.com. And for Big Squid listeners, you can score cheaper tickets. Just use the code HAMO, H-A-M-M-O, to get access to the discount. And uh, it'd be great to see you. I'm going to be doing uh, a lot of new material as well. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Really looking forward to having an opportunity to stretch my legs out on stage for a bit so uh, if you're in Adelaide and you'd like to come down please do so and make sure you come up and say hello too if you're a listener of the podcast it'd be lovely to meet you uh, over on Patreon, there's a couple of new episodes uh, that are available for the subscribers. Uh, you know, you also get the scripts and things like that. But the uh, latest podcasts there are the the new Dispatches from the Fury Road episode. Uh, so 
if, if you go to the bigsquidpod.com page, you'll get the blog dispatches from the Fury Road, which I've been writing for a while now. But uh, what I've been doing is I've been recording them as podcasts as well. So they're like the director's commentary version of the blog. And it is um, uh, 10% more waffle. <laughs> That's how you can look at it. So uh, that new episode is up. And uh, also there was a sneak preview of the next Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted, which is a grubby little story about a couple of murderous clowns. That is being produced uh, even as we speak, but there is a work-in-progress version that is up at the site so you can uh, get a get a keen sense of the working process of that uh, podcast. Uh, for those of you who may have missed that, Beautiful Tales of the Disenchanted is uh, a new segment that takes place on this podcast and it's the short story side of it. I didn't want to just be one of those people who is reporting on everyone else's work. I still wanted to create my own work and we've had one episode up of that so far, which you can find uh, a few weeks back and we have the next episode coming up soon and they're, uh, yeah, it's, it's an anthology series of short stories and this next one, as I said, is grubby, 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 grubby and uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, uh, Sean Allen, who does the production on Ben Irwin's podcast, does the production on this, and he's. Uh, I've told him just just make people feel really awkward with this one. <laughs> That's the kind of story it is. I can't wait for you to hear it. But uh, if you'd like access to these other podcasts, the ones that you can only find over on Patreon, if you want access to the scripts and uh, other bits and pieces that go on up over there, head to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton underscore Big Squid and you'll find a tier that suits you. Uh, for everyone who signs up to Patreon, you also have an episode dedicated to you and our patreon shout out today goes to taylor andrews uh hi taylor thank you very much for uh, supporting all the work that we do here and uh also for being a part of our big squid community and i hope you enjoy this two-part edition of space Podacy. And uh thank you to all of our patreon supporters it uh, it really is helpful uh having uh, you guys there to, uh, you know, try and uh, make this podcast a little bit uh, classier and a little bit more inventive. And uh, yeah, I don't want to rest on the laurels. I've got big ideas. So uh, thank you for helping me uh, achieve them. All right. Let's get to the movie. Set in the distant future, a crew of astronauts find themselves crash-landed on a strange planet. The surviving astronauts go looking for any signs of life, but when they do finally meet the indigenous culture, they are unlike anything they've encountered before. Let's get cracking and enter the world of Planet of the Apes. Can't help thinking that somewhere in the universe there has to be something better than man. Has to be. The words are Charlton Heston's. Get out a last signal to Earth if we've landed! The world he finds out in the galaxy will challenge every idea you've ever had of civilization. A planet where man is the lowest order of living things, and the superior beings are apes. Build the cities, make the laws, the gods, 
and control the guns that hunt a race of lowly, terrified humans who run wild in the jungles, are caged in the prisons, and stuffed in the museums. 20th Century Fox transforms the motion picture screen into Planet of the Apes. That is the sound of Ben cranking up this podcast. Uh, (laughs) Like a rusty old lawnmower. Yeah, uh, people have often referred to you uh, as the Michael Winslow of this (laughs) podcast. And um, it's just good to prove your bona fides yet again. Beep, boop, beep, boop. Look, I I know we're mad for tangents and I promise we won't go too far with this, but I... When I was a kid, Michael Winslow was one of the greatest comedians Fuck I'd yeah. ever seen, and I don't really have any reason to think otherwise. Still, yeah, man, I wish I could make noises like that. I still think he's the only person that can uh, literally play, uh, well, not literally, but metaphorically play as well as Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> it's phenomenal. Yeah. Now, this is uh, we always start this podcast with uh, when did you first see this movie and uh, I feel like <laughs> we both have funny takes on this. Do you want to tell us your first uh, not necessarily first time you saw it but what you because uh, I already know where this you is know, going. You know but what my experience of this movie is. Yeah, what happened before <laughs> you saw the movie to when you did see so, it. So much of my experiences of classic pop culture be it Streetcar Named Desire, Citizen Kane, and indeed Planet of the Apes comes from The Simpsons, as so many people my age experienced uh, classic Hollywood. Uh, And so my first experience of Planet of the Apes was uh, the several references in The Simpsons, particularly the uh, Troy McClure Planet of the Apes musical. Oh, yeah. And and you should post it on the Facebook page and in Twitter, just in case. I'm sure it's one of those things everyone's seen, Yeah, but it is... Whatever it is, twenty five years old, and it's. I watched it five times last night and was crying with each rewatch. It's uh, so funny. Uh, that's funny. I watched it because I'd seen that you'd sent it to me, and I hadn't had an opportunity uh, to get to it. And I had a little break, and I was just going through, and I thought I'll just watch this, and it's still it's so funny. As funny because it's not just. It's like it's two minutes of perfection. It's Troy McClure is the. Uh, it plays the Charlton Heston character in the musical version of Planet of the Apes called Stop the Planet of the Apes. I want to get off. Great. Um, uh, and it's not just the songs that are funny. The animation is hilarious. And then the beautiful coda at the end of him saying, I love you, Dr. Zaius, which completely misses the point of Planet of the Apes it's entirely. Great. It's, like- it's great. <laughs> I, I, actually, to, to be honest, that was the one bit I'd forgotten. <laughs> So. And then this, and then and and the, and the way they animate Doctor Zayas, he becomes really cute. Yeah, all of a sudden, it's yeah, like this, this awful villain is like, no. Yeah, well, he's uh, he's so shocked when yeah. he can play the piano, <laughs> even though he'd never had lessons before. But even that, even the uh, even the touch of the 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 sound of his fingers thunking on wood as he goes to play the piano. Yeah, like a split second before the piano starts yeah. playing. It's just it's so funny. Uh, and so I remember watching that. Uh, I was working at McDonald's at the time when I was 13, 14 years old, however old I was, and I was distraught that I was doing shift when the Simpsons, when a new Simpsons was on. Right. Uh, because this is back in the day before cable or anything. Yeah. So, you know, it was like, you're going to have to wait six months for the rerun. Uh, and so I feigned illness uh, so that I could sit in the lunchroom and watch the Simpsons. <laughs> Great. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. And I remember, I still remember it so clearly because I was so baffled. I didn't know what the, I had no idea what 
was happening. So I didn't had understand. you never heard of Planet of the Apes? I don't. Th- well, maybe, but no, but but like that parody is so specific and granular. Like it, yeah. re- it reveals the twist at the end. Yeah, the Doctor Zayas character. Yeah. you know, like it's it's. It's it's one of those parodies that is funnier the more you know about the thing that it's parodying. Um, like, there's a lot of parodies on The Simpsons, like, like particularly Citizen Kane parodies, <laughs> where you can find them funny even if you've never seen Citizen yeah. Kane. But that one, it's like it's it's very Planet of the Apes. And I remember just being baffled, having no like really knowing it was funny, but not knowing why. Surely you you just laughed watching a uh, an ape breakdance yeah. when breakdancing was kind of <laughs> out of vogue by that stage as well. And so I think it was many years later that I saw the actual Planet of the Apes and. You know, I mean, I, I I don't think anyone my age was able to watch Planet of the Apes without knowing what the ultimate twist at the end is. Oh, which yeah. in retrospect doesn't it seems quite logical. Like, I, I, it's amazing to me that people could watch that movie and not kind of go, oh, I reckon they're on Earth. Well, okay, yeah, that's a really good question. By the way, keep it in the back of your head. Yeah. You said Doctor Zayas is a terrible uh, villain, and it's like, is he? he? He's not. But no, yes. but um, so. My Secret Origin for yeah. Planet of the Apes. And it also gets back to something that you just hinted at, which is if you miss something on TV, you mm-hmm. like when when did you get to see it again? Mm-hmm. And so uh, going back to when I was a kid and you had to just wait for things to be on TV, mum had it had come up in conversation because I was starting to show, uh, you know, an interest in sci-fi at a pretty young yeah. age. Uh, you know, Star Wars is the gateway for that, mm-hmm. you know, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for those of you who are really uh, my vintage, you may have even seen Battlestar Galactica mm. at the cinema. Because <laughs> the, they, they put the, you know, like they did with Twin Peaks, they turned them into uh, the pilot and that into movies. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, funnily enough, uh, Battlestar Galactica was kind of more thrilling when I saw it than Star Wars, to, in, in a way, right. because it was the first time I'd ever been in a cinema where... Maybe the the early use of Dolby sound and the mm. and the theater shaking and it was mm. like holy moly what is going on here? Yeah. But uh, so Planet of the Apes had come up in conversation and Mum said you know the ending is a scorcher so you know when you get to see it you're gonna be really up for it and then we uh, Mum used to get TV Week and you'd be able to plan your week of watching things where oh Planet of the Apes yeah. boom locked it in yeah highlight it yep and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, had it all locked away to watch and then I made the mistake of mentioning it in front of my grandfather a few days out and he said, oh, it's a shocking ending when you discover they're on Earth the whole time. And mum wasn't impressed and I was really bummed out. And to this day, I'm not sure if he did it deliberately or not. I don't know if he was being an arsehole or being a grandfather. I I genuinely don't know. He was a good grandfather. He was a good grandfather, but he was a bad father. So it's one of those things where you go, was he being an asshole to my mum or was he just being a grandfather to me? Yeah, sometimes those Who two knows? things aren't mutually exclusive. Maybe, you know, maybe a little <laughs> bit of column A, a little bit of column B. But that's a really good question because... Yeah. it. So trying to watch the movie in context, whenever they went to another planet, they were always speaking English. So... Of course, yeah. uh, and of course, things looked human. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I wonder if it actually was a shock because the, the tropes weren't like that's kind of what the flavour of it was at the time. But no, watching it now, like there are points where you think these fucking astronauts know how to fly a spaceship, but they are 
idiots. Oh yeah, they're morons. But it's um, but I think if you take it into the context of when it was made, you know, Doctor Who was always traveling yeah, to yeah. other planets where people spoke English and, and looked like humans and looked like humans. And Star Trek had the uh, you know, just the smart use of the, uh, I think it's the universal translator. So anywhere they went, yeah, yeah, yeah. then you just get over that hump. But it's interesting, the, isn't it? I think the twist must have been profound because it wouldn't have uh, had such an impact on pop culture if it wasn't. Yeah. And I think maybe people with the limitation of special effects and all the rest, people just probably uh, surrender to metaphor a lot easier than now. Well, Whereas now it'd be like, well, well how does it work? Because human beings are a very specific race. How could they have uh, right. evolved that way on a different planet? Oh yeah, no, it's it's so funny. The uh, you know doing some of the research for it, and you see, you know, like you're looking up something, and then you get caught in a like a little Reddit thread over mm. here, and then you're looking, and you know, there's people, you know, how. How did they go through space and then end up back at the same place? It's like, who gives a shit? Like, they just did. Like, it's it's fine. You fucking suck joy. Shut ah, up. Suck joys. <laughs> Let's make that a part of our regular vernacular. Ah, oh, suck joys. Just, there's a lot of them out there. Oh, but it's that, it's that, it's that, like, you know, thin-lipped kind of, like, I'm smart. And it's like, no, you're a dead shit. Like, you're not smart at all. Yeah, you're that's, a suck that's joy. That's literally what children do. Yeah. Literally what nine and ten-year-olds do. Yeah. Like, Spotting something that yes, it, it's it, it doesn't work because it's fiction. Yeah, and we, I mean we've talked about this uh, this many times. But would it would would the movie have been better if there was a ten minute chunk about how they explained how the ship got turned around and did a U turn in space? Yeah, halfway through its voyage, and that's why it's like who gives a fuck? Yeah, <laughs> it's like it, it traveled the whole length and breadth of the universe and arrived back where they started. Who like that? that, that that's what happened. It's it's fine. It is fine. Um, that's but, not how gravity works. Uh, yeah. No, I know. That's not how gravity works. Debris wouldn't do that. Yeah. All right. Thanks for shitting on the movie. Um, uh, our segment, Google Me Chuck. Uh, not really. Uh, normally, there's some pretty funny stuff in here, but uh, this uh, the top four responses were, uh, what is the Planet of the Apes in order? Off the top of your head, not including remakes or anything, do you know how many movies there are? I think there's five or six. Yeah, there's five. Yeah. yeah it's like, yeah, yeah. And also the, uh, that classic thing of, it, like, I feel like the Dark Knight trilogy must be, uh, like, a, a not the usual way that people, uh, production companies make sequels because the mm. budget goes up yeah, yeah, in yeah, that. Yeah. Whereas Planet of the Apes is a big hit. Yeah. And then they say, let's do another one for slightly less money and let's make the next one for slightly less money. And yeah. then they just keep uh, yeah, yeah, making yeah. it for less. But uh, I think it was all about merchandising because, you know, everyone talks about... Uh, it's, yeah, it's one of the first. Star, yeah, everyone talks yeah. about Star Wars as a big merchandising thing, but Planet of the Apes was really yeah. huge in yeah. merchandising. It's interesting as well. I haven't watched any of the other movies. Neither. And and I have no interest. Well, I did a little bit of uh, looking into each one of them and yeah. they... They at least read much more interesting than you realise. Like, oh yeah, yeah, because they go back in time, I believe. And yeah, it's you know, kind of you see the whole downfall of humanity, and I think beneath the planet of the apes. Yeah, I can't remember. It, it kind of uh, seems like it continues the uh, the themes as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's in, uh, interesting. Um, so uh, that was the top 
question. What are the three Planet of the Apes movies? That's actually about the new trilogy when mm-hmm. I clicked on that. Should I watch Planet of the Apes in order? I reckon you probably should. Mm-hmm. And is Planet of the Apes 2001 a remake? Like, It's a reimagining. You know, it's a reimagining. <laughs> uh, I saw that in Edinburgh, actually, in 2001. Great makeup. Amazing makeup. Unimpeachable makeup. The, uh, that, that is incredible. Shame it's a dog shit movie. I did laugh at the very last scene, though. Like it, That makes no sense. No, but it made me laugh. I don't know if it was meant to, but I do remember uh, like uncontrollably laughing. <laughs> it feels like a win. Uh, segment, first context. These are some of the sci-fi movies that came out before and after. 1965. Maybe we should add this one to the list, Ben. Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine. Oh, my Lord. I've never even heard of that Neither. one before. 1966, Thunderbirds are go. Uh-huh. That'd be fun. 1967, Quartermace and the Pit. Have you ever watched Quartermace? Never heard it's of such it. A, it's, a, it's a really um, big, uh, I, I would say, cult English series. Yeah, sure. Uh, I remember uh, years ago when I interviewed... Edgar Wright for my old podcast with uh, Peter Hellier, Hamo yeah. and Hellier Digflix. Uh, no, Hellier and Hamo Digflix. Just talking myself up. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> on brand. On brand. Uh, <laughs> he was uh, such a um, such a delight. And uh, he talked about Quartermace being an influence on World's End and uh, stuff yeah, like right. that. Okay. So okay. Um, one, of, one of the best interviews I've had with, with a really famous person, just really engaged. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also... A uh, little sidebar, um, uh, we also interviewed uh, Simon Pegg and uh, Nick Frost and I knew that Fleety had spent a lot of, had lived with them when Greg Fleet used to go over and perform. Wow. And so I remember bringing up, uh, there was, uh, uh, I wondered if one of the characters was based on Fleety. So I brought it up with, uh, Hellier said you should bring it up. I brought it up with Edgar Wright and Edgar was like, oh, Fleety, how <laughs> Is he? What a funny man. And so that was Edgar Wright's reaction. And then when I brought it up with uh, Simon and Nick, they were they just started laughing hard. And Simon told me that he has uh, like a cassette somewhere, like he videoed on a cassette. Yeah. And he's got it somewhere. And it's like them in hysterics watching Fleety for half an hour trying to stick a vinyl record into a CD player. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Please. good, right? Very funny. Uh, 1969, Captain Zemo and the Underwater City. Yeah. 1970, you get the first uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes. So the first sequel comes out pretty soon yeah, after right. this Pump one. Yeah, it out. And 1971, a very important sci-fi movie, uh, THX 1138. Oh, yeah. So have you ever seen that? I have. I uh, have. Is it interesting? Like I'm guessing it's, it's interesting. David. I, I tell you, aesthetically and I feel like I, I feel like I have watched it, but I can't remember it. But I've got flashes yeah, of images. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think aesthetically, it's really interesting. Um, is it a great movie? Maybe not. Right. But you know, there's some moments in it that are pretty full on and 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 uh, intense. Yeah. And it's 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 one of those things where you, occasionally you see that uh, with a filmmaker where it's like, oh, that's a path you could have gone down. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hell of a lot darker than Star Wars, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, interesting. Uh, segment, the year that was, these are some of the sci-fi movies that came out in 1968. Barbarella, uh, Thunderbird 6, Voyage to the Planet of Prehistoric Women. The reason I put that in there, directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Oh, really? So it must have been when he was cutting his teeth. Uh, yeah, sure. And uh, a little movie called 2001 A Space Odyssey. So, mm. big year. Like, big year for... Uh, 
like some pretty iconic. Great year for stoner fans of the cinema. <laughs> oh yeah, but also like you might not know Barbarella, but you you'd know the image oh, of, yeah, yeah, of yeah. Jane Fonda and that Thunderbirds are still something. Uh, big year for Monkey Magic in uh, cinema as well. Definitely so. Uh, let's get into it. I hadn't seen this film in a long time and was overwhelmed by the amount of commentary you're presented with throughout the <laughs> film. It's it's quite yeah. like you know the the broader topics, but yeah. even getting down to um, <laughs> like there's even a uh, like a commentary on youth as well. Yeah. You know, which yeah, yeah. is quite uh, fascinating. What an anti-human rhetoric. A lot, yeah. In And in comparison to the latest trilogy, which I thought... Have you seen the latest trilogy? I have. I have. I think it's really solid. Yeah, it's solid. It, it didn't It didn't stick for me, though. No, no, but I... Fun, fun fact, uh, I went and saw the second one with my mum. Yeah. Who... <laughs> is 50% of the time tedious to watch a film with and 50% of the time her takes are so wacky that it's uh, a pleasure... Uh, the film ended and she asked me how they trained a chimpanzee to ride a horse and fire two Uzis at the same time. Mate, like, you can't, like, <laughs> you know, like, special effects are amazing. Come on, mum. Try like harder. No, 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 no. Well, why wouldn't they know how to do these things? Like, you know, like, Planet of the Apes What a well-behaved monkey that it could shoot two Uzis and ride a horse. Oh, you poor mum. Like, that was the first time that I'd kind of seen fur bristles, you know what I mean? And oh, look, look let's, it's amazing. Let, let's, uh, yeah, look. I mean, when I took my grandma to see Lord of the Rings, she thought Gollum was a real person. She oh, thought, yeah. She thought they'd yeah. hired some very strange-looking person. Put some makeup on and accentuated yeah. She didn't even think that. She was just like, what, oh. what, 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 what's wrong with that man? Oh, right. <laughs> it's like one of the, it's the latest... Uh, Young male comedian breaking <laughs> under the scene. Um, Don't you wish you could watch movies with that kind of innocence of eye, though? Oh yeah, well, it would I, just be so. Well, I think it's important to try to. It's hard though when you know, like it's a story I've told a few times. But it, the, the 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 time that I took, uh, well, I, that they took me, I was a child. Uh, when my grandparents took me to see Jurassic Park, yeah, and I was whatever I was nine or something. And so, of course, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. But watching my grandfather watch it, I, I, it's one of the great memories of my life. Just watching him, his eyes just went so wide when that T-Rex came out. And I remember him just kind of being like, how, how are they doing that? And, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't know, computers. But to him, a computer... Yeah. It's like 1993 or something. Yeah. And he's like 80 years old. A computer's yeah. like, what? Yeah. So, and, and I, I, he's I, getting his head around ATMs. <laughs> he, he, he never used an ATM. Yeah. He used to go to the bank and withdraw yeah. money physically. He just couldn't. Uh, and so for him, I think at that age, it was just easier to go, oh, that's, they just, they somehow brought a dinosaur back. And yeah. that's a dinosaur. There was no part of his brain that could comprehend how that yeah. wasn't a real dinosaur. Yeah. No, no, it's no. It's beautiful. I think it's also um, like, it's, it's hard to get the balance right of shutting down those parts of your brain that are... I, I'm not even saying being cynical, but mm. just seeing... Just know. Just knowing and then trying to be in the moment. Yeah. Uh, often the way I can get over that is I concentrate on the acting. Yeah, right. So if the acting is really sucking me in and drawing me in, I can mm. kind of buy into the world a little bit more. Yeah. It's when the acting is... Funnily enough, 
if it's the other way around, the special effects can be amazing. If the acting's a bit shit, that's actually what takes me oh, out totally. of it more. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, so this movie is so much more nihilistic. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it, let's kick off with uh, Charlton Heston, whose <laughs> character, George Taylor, like, he was so masculine. I reckon, like, if... if if the head of the NRO watched this, he'd say, guys, we, we just have to shut everything down. Like, <laughs> we, we're just not living up to what masculinity is all about. Um, it's a crazy existential speech to start the film, too. It's a, It includes talking about being lonely, the, yeah. the wonder of the universe, and... Uh, Kind of sitting there and and contemplating whether men still fight each other, yeah, and it's yeah. a it's a it's a really complex but also simply written, and I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, opening to uh, what ends up being a, a pretty big adventure film. Oh, totally! And all while he smokes a cigar in yeah. a spaceship. In a spaceship. <laughs> so you know in. Well, they do take off in 1972, so they yeah, yeah like smoking is still fine back then. <laughs> like it's it's crazy, isn't yeah. it? Uh, and it, it's it, it it's kind of really sets the the stage for the movie very yeah. succinctly. Yeah, definitely. Um, and well, I, you know, it, it, it's interesting because it sets up he is going to become in opposition to the apes and their ideology. But the irony is that his ideology is actually quite aligned, yeah, with Doctor Zaius in particular. Yeah, uh, you know, so it's interesting that he becomes the, you know, the last man fighting for humanity. When you know, had he met Doctor Zaius in a different scenario, they probably would have right. had a lot to agree on. Like the two of them together would have blown up that cave. Fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it's. There's so many uh, just telling lines from him yeah. and uh, the way Charlton Heston embodies it. And we'll get more into what he represents mm. and also laying the groundwork for uh, taking into account what was happening in America at the time. Yep. Uh, but his masculinity is unparalleled and <laughs> it is it is phenomenal just watching him hold the screen, which... Yeah. That movie, like, that could have been a complete and utter failure, that film. Like, that oh, yeah. was a roll of the dice, and he is committed. Like, you never at any point see him give a side eye or give anything less than the performance that he has to give. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that this movie lives and dies on that, you know. Um, and, you know, you, you extrapolate that out to the apes as well. You know, yeah. there's so much that could have... Uh, that could have failed. Could have gone wrong. Yeah. Oh, see, even the, uh, you know, like there's just throwaway dialogue that you don't remember, but when you see it, like the first time they come into contact with humans and his first comment is, oh, we'll be running this place in a few yeah, months. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like he's, yeah. it's that gung-ho American, mm -hmm. yeah, we're here, baby, yeah, you know. American imperialism. And then suddenly from that moment on, he's on the run and yeah. he's been shot in the neck and yeah. it's, <laughs> bang, it's, it's happening. Um Rough ending for the only woman on the ship, or was it? Mercy. Considering she's the only female with three men, do you think going quietly in your sleep was a win for Stuart? A hundred and ten percent. Yeah. I mean, they even mentioned that at one point. Yeah. Uh, he says, you know, uh, I, I can't, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's something, you know, once they realise what the 
what the nature of the planet is. Yeah. Uh, I think he says, you know, it was a mercy that she got taken out before she even realised where she was. It's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Full on. I would rather die in a capsule on a spaceship than endure that fucking horror. Having a little nine eyes. Oh. It's a, it's a pretty confronting moment as well. Like, I, yeah, yeah. once again, I... I've only have actually probably seen this movie once, maybe twice, yeah. and it's been decades since I watched it, so there was a lot of stuff that was new to me. And then, you know, I, once again, I know the special effects are kind of a bit mm. 1968, but that moment was like, oh, shit, that's right. That's She's great, gone. Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny that you say that, because I've only ever seen this once as well, and it would have been 20 years ago, mm. and most of, like, I, it's, it's incredible how much this movie stuck to the walls of my brain. Right. I remembered oh. all of it. Oh, did like, you? Yeah, right. it was all right there. And that's, you know, I don't know if that's just, you know, maybe that's the case with movies that you watch in your early 20s or something. That, right. You know, they have an impact and they kind of lodge in there. But, um, yeah, most of this was right there. I have a feeling I may not have watched this since I was a teenager. Yeah, right. Um, which for me is a long time ago. But also, again, it's that thing where it's like, is it all there? Is it Because yeah, so, it's not just Planet of the Apes, the musical. Virtually every scene in this movie was parodied on The Simpsons at one time or another. Well, so it's like, are you remembering the movie or are you remembering the parody? Well, there was also, <laughs> and time to have a drink, people, uh, the ship landing in the water and mm. specifically... The camera movement reminded me a lot of Interstellar yeah. and the giant wave world. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like the way it kind of came in yeah. and there was... It's... I, I think uh, I think it's obvious that this movie is influential and has, as you said, permeated pop culture. Yeah. But then you rewatch it and you go, oh, like even knowing that I've underestimated its... its oh, yeah. Uh, its length of uh, breadth of Well, uh, I, think, I think it's easy to dismiss because the concept's so wacky. Yeah, and because you know it's, you know, I think it's become more of a joke down the, down the years. Yeah, than, you know, you blew it up. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is you know it's uh, it's 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 what makes comedy great and also makes comedy awful because yeah. it it ruins. Uh, what is a fantastic scene? Like yeah. you are watching it and it feels melodramatic, but then when you take it as metaphor, it is a fucking existential uh, nightmare, that, yeah. f- that finale. Spaceballs also did that. Spaceballs, Spaceballs yeah. Spaceballs parodies that scene. Yeah, yeah, and why wouldn't you? Like, yeah, of it's, course. Because it's iconic. But that's, of course. That's, that's why comedians are tedious. Because <laughs> they take what's really good and then they turn it into a joke and thus ruining everything for everyone. I'm sure Mad Magazine did a bunch of Planet of the Apes stuff oh, as well. Like, I feel like Mad Magazine was probably built on it, like <laughs> on the foundations of it. <laughs> Mad Magazine. Um... Alfred E. Newman, what a, what a legend. Uh, foundational texts. Uh, when the astronauts are making their way through this new land, why do you think one of them poses the question now, uh, it's less where we are, when we are. And mm. it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like there are, once again, knowing the ending and watching this closely for the podcast, it, it does add little uh, breadcrumbs all the way through of, you know, hey, yeah. guess where we're going to be going? Yeah, it's it's almost like he kind of intuitively. I think it's, is that after they see the scarecrows. Oh, I don't know. I uh, is that before? I thought that would might have been while yeah, they're I in think the it's boat, right? Yeah, it's when yeah. But I guess it's um, at the time. Maybe he is being intuitive, and uh, and also, I guess you know, you land on a planet like that, and it looks like that. You are, you know, mm. suddenly feeling like it is prehistoric, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, what does that imply for us going forward? You know, are we starting right. from scratch? You know, are there even going to be resources here? Who are we? Where yeah. are we going to be? Yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's a it's a rough beginning for them to travel all these light years to get to another planet, mm. and then your ship goes down, mm. and now you're Tarzan, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God they have uh, Charlton Heston there, who is ready to go. <laughs> the uh, he's such an asshole, by the way. He is. Like, he's just like clumping along, honking on his cigar, and he seems delighted by the whole scenario. He never seems like, Loves "Oh, it. this sucks." This no, is, this is, and it, like it, it, it categorically sucks. Like yeah. this is fucked. Yeah, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, yeah." You join the astronaut corps and be a big man, and your brass statues. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Green now. Yeah. <laughs> you nihilistic asshole. Oh, he's such a... Uh, <laughs> like, he's... But that once again, the part of the... Um, the audacity of this movie yeah. is to make a lead character who is really a fine uh, balancing act of a really unlikable guy with the absolute screen charisma of mm. Charlton Heston, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, like, so the next question I had for you is, um, is at this point that Heston breaks into that maniacal laugh when he looks at the grave. That was a grave with the American flag, wasn't it? Was it? A, was it like a? Was it like a? Was was he? Uh, actually, quick question: mm. Was he putting uh, an American flag in to claim it, or was that? Yeah, I, I think it was claiming. I don't think it was a grave. Oh, I thought it was a marker for Stuart. Now they've moved on, haven't they? Yeah, no, nah, she's fucking at the bottom of that river. Fuck. No, I think I, I, I think it's that like classic American thing of like yeah. I claim this land for right. you know like you know again like the futility of fucking plunking a flag into the surface of the moon. Yeah. It's like, come on, guys. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we, we were here. Well, yeah, all right. Very good. Well, it's the um, the classic Eddie Izzard performance uh, routine where he talks about, uh, uh, you know, uh, people who, uh, you know, take over another land and they mm. go there and there's the indigenous cultures. I know, sorry, we... Um, 
this is our place. What are you doing? And they're like, do you have a flag? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's fences. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, that's what I think it is. I think it's him just doing that, you know, it, 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 you know, we've, we've arrived, America. Yeah. You know, and then, and I think, I, mean, I think Charlton Heston's laughter is not just the, how absurd the action is, but the fact that America as a concept doesn't even exist in the universe anymore. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you doing, mate? Yeah. And it, it, that maniacal laugh is like, uh-huh. he is a difficult person to root for. Oh, yeah. Even though I kind of agree with him yeah. in that point, it's also, yeah. oh, he's he's the perfect uh, metaphor for, at that point, the arrogance of humankind. And, and also, the, the, the fascinating thing about mm. him, and we'll get into this more later on, he he oscillates on both sides. He he's removed, yeah. and he's finding it hilarious. But he is also that, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can't he can't escape his inherent Americanness. Yeah, and humanness as well. Yeah. Like the, um, so this will sound like I'm going off on a tangent, but it gets to an important question. Uh, you know, I was telling you that story. I'm reading uh, for anyone uh, listening. I'm uh, reading a book about the New York Knicks from the '90s, uh, which is an era basketball that I grew up with, and. Uh, the Knicks were one of those uh, iconic teams. And uh, anyway, there's lots of stories from it. And uh, Chris Herring put out this book, Blood in the Garden. And uh, like three uh, pages in, there's a story about uh, a player called uh, Xavier McDaniels, who mm. when he played for the Su- Seattle Supersonics, after games used to walk around in the locker room with a massive erection hanging a <laughs> towel off it, which is a hell of a power play. Power. And so my question for you is, do you think George Taylor would hear this and one-up the player by doing the same thing with a beach towel? <laughs> a wet beach towel. A wet beach towel. Because <laughs> it is, it's, it, once again, it is fascinating to re-watch this and... Like, you just don't really see this type of masculinity on the big screen unless it's, like, even... Like, he's fit. Like, yeah. you know, he's a fit individual. Yeah. But uh, even, um, even you know, with the guys that are, like, really pumped up and, mm. you know, like, there's... Through the modern uh, prism, there has to be a softness in some aspects to them. But there is nothing soft about this guy. He is hard. Yeah, to me, it's, all, it's, like, a, it's, it's, it's like a retrograde definition of masculinity it's definitely that ironically more primitive mode of masculinity yeah where it's you know like i'm fucking more muscles and i could beat the shit out of you and i think you know obviously we're talking in binary terms of masculinity and femininity for this particular conversation but i think yeah in the modern parlance there is Definitely more of a um, expression of vulnerability within men yeah. that to me is much more whatever masculine, if you want to use that terminology, than the kind of chest thumping machismo. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think occasionally you'll meet a guy who thinks that any expression of Weakness or fallibility makes them weak, and what they don't understand is that it makes them strong. Right. Uh, it's the it's the grinding your heels in and the denial of any kind of vulnerability that uh, grow up. That's what yeah. little boys do. Well, yeah, but you know, uh, you know, at this point, this is a um, this is 
really taking the lineage of John Wayne and all those oh, kinds yeah. of movies yeah. and, and putting them in space and yeah. confronting yeah, yeah, that yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, which makes Heston kind of perfect for it. And also mm. a little bit fascinating where I think uh, I, I've, I've known about Charlton Heston for a long time and I've seen movies with Charlton Heston in them. Yeah. But my views of, you know, when I think of him are probably kind of uh, like my take on him is is infected by the bowling for Columbine. Yeah, definitely. And which is uh, neither here nor there to what he was in in the past, I think. It's uh, it's it's really I just find it fascinating and he really got behind the film to get it made too. Yeah, so yeah. there must be I, I probably have done him a disservice at, when I think about him uh, by probably being um unfair that he wasn't uh, aware of exactly what he was, you know? Like, well, I think the way it's kind of presented now, it's like, oh, look at this guy. But, you know, to make something like this, you've got you to have a sense yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of who you are. Or he changed. You know, you look at John Voight. He made Midnight Cowboy and he seemed like yeah. a really fucking cool guy. And then he yeah. became a fucking freak. Oh, man. You know, you see his videos now and he's like, he's like some insane person on a street corner. Yeah. You know, Trump was anointed by the blood of Christ and we will all enter the kingdom of heaven if we vote for the Republicans. Like, what what happened? Like, I get it. You know, people, I think, do get more conservative with age. Yeah. What's that old phrase? If you, if you, if you vote liberal when you're younger, you're voting with your heart. And if you vote conservative when you're older, you're voting with your head. Yeah. Or, Something yeah, yeah I, I've heard it of like, if, you, if, you're, if you're liberal when you're young... You ha- yeah, you have a heart. What you don't have a heart. You don't have a heart. And yeah, if you, exactly. If you vote conservative when you're young, you don't have a heart. And if you vote uh, liberal when you're um, older, you don't have a brain. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. And, and I do think, I do. you know, I, I mean, I've, I've found in myself, it's not that I'm getting more conservative as I get older. I think I'm just getting less idealistic. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like I still retain most of my fucking left-wing hippy-dippy um, ideals. Yeah. But you look at those guys... Charlton Heston, John Voight and stuff. And it's like, oh, you kind of took it to the next level, man. Yeah. That's like, what's going on? What happened? I wonder if it is when you are living a life of privilege, which is Mm. what a successful actor Mm -hmm. is uh, doing. Mm -hmm. And then because you therefore aren't really connected with, like you have to make a real effort to stay connected with everything that's going on uh, in everyday society. Also, the changes are extraordinary like fuck like you know you you when you turned up today i bought a new desktop which is like uh my last one had lasted eight and a half years and to be honest was still working yeah but i had to kind of upgrade and i've lost like nearly 40 hours this weekend setting it up because it's just all slightly different things they don't tell you about and uh you know like i'm thinking about buying a gun Anyway, I've, I've become deeply conservative in the last 40 hours. I'm ready to go shoot some shit. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think I think that the celebrity, and that's really being shown up in this, uh, in, especially in the last few years, the uh, kind of the celebrity class being so disconnected from, mm. I mean, just that shit that happened this week with the whole Whoopi Goldberg thing. It's like, mate, 
if you at 65 don't realize that maybe avoid talking about the Holocaust on live TV. Yeah. Probably like it, it, to me, it's like everyone, like there's that whole class of people saying, oh, she's racist. She's right. I don't think she's racist. I think she's just fucking got a stupid no. opinion and she should shut the fuck up. Well, I, I don't even think it's, I don't even think it's quite that. I think it's uh, the entertainment industry, mm. which includes like breakfast radio yeah. and TV and all that kind of stuff. They need you to churn out all the thoughts. And so you don't have time yeah. to take a breath and just go, oh, okay, I've got to answer it this way. And I think she just got a little bit lost in what she was trying to yeah, say, yeah. Uh, uh, which is... And then, of course, it's always, you know, like I'm not necessarily defending Whoopi Goldberg or not. I'm just kind of talking yeah. about it in a generalisation. Yeah. And then often we'll take down the person who just kind of got a metaphor wrong or just kind of fucked up an analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're the ones that get taken down or they get pushed further mm. into the conservative or the, uh, you know, the, the, the militant conservative yeah, yeah, side yeah, yeah, of yeah, things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but I also think about it in... Like on on a very unimportant level, having when I was back in the day churning out an hour show every year, every year churning mm, out a brand new mm. hour and the amount of effort and time that takes, and there are things that I look back on and I go, that routine could have been better if I'd had another six months to yeah. just clarify it in my head or just yeah, yeah, be yeah. able to spell it out correctly. And so you know, I think it's um, yeah. You know, that's that's why it's really important, you know, this isn't for you and me, but I think it's really important that people don't live on social media or oh, don't or 100%. don't have a need to comment all the time because yeah. invariably, like like I've seen I've seen people complaining about Bluey and that's when I'm like, <laughs> What are you doing? Like what the what? There's been a hundred Plus episodes, and there was one that didn't conform to your worldview, and now you've turned. Oh, it's you, insane! What are you it's doing? Insane. It's just—it's so crazy. It's so funny that you know, and then and then people wanting to have like one sentence memes about the most complex issues of the day. It's like it's come on, guys! Like we've ne we've never been in more need of discourse. Yeah, and yet we've never been more reduced and you know. Um, pared down in yeah. the way people have to say the Holocaust is like a pretty big topic. It, yeah. probably, it probably shouldn't be like shoehorned into the last 60 seconds no. of a conversation yeah. on a morning chat show yeah. before commercial. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Oh yeah. I just, yeah. I, I just don't understand how anyone in that, in the conversation or in this, in the control room were like, let's just not go for the Holocaust today. That's probably, you know, yeah, but every probably, it'll probably backfire. Yeah, it's crazy. But, it's but crazy. people aren't thinking that way because they. they oh, no. We've got to get this out. We've got to get Watch this done. What's your Holocaust done. take? <laughs> and but it's also, it's it's not just the people in front of the camera. It's the people behind the yeah. camera. They're under the pressure. So it's, it's oh. this is how these uh, there's there's people who make deliberate comments who are idiots, and yeah. then there's people who just. Oh, don't misspeak. get me wrong. I don't. Yeah. Think, I, I think she most spoke. I don't think that she's racist. Oh no, no, or I know. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, I'm talking broadly with I this. I mean, it's mortifying. Yeah. It's mortifying to watch. Oh yeah. Uh, not, not even, not even the view comments when she went later on to the Colbert thing, and it's like five minutes of her just digging further and further into the hole. It's yeah, like, oh, yeah. just say I misspoke. I'm really sorry. Moving on. <laughs> like, yeah. Stop talking. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes you have something to say and you get lost in what you're saying. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I've been given a couple of days off. Yeah. 
and uh, yep. I'm donating this money to yeah. this. The and end. on Twitter, here's a here's a link for you to read stuff and let's... And also, just move on as well, because the thing on. is, is that in 48 hours, some other arsehole's going to exactly. make a mistake. Exactly. The, the, the model of how to deal with this stuff is uh, when David Letterman got uh, all that scandal came out about him yeah. uh, being a naughty boy and having affairs. And uh, he didn't go on the apology tour. He didn't, you know, get caught in word salad. Word, word salad. Yeah. Uh, he just went on his show, opened his monologue and went, well, I've been a very bad boy. And yeah. that was it. <laughs> yeah. That was it. Move on. Move on. I really... One, one of the things that I genuinely could not give a shit about is someone having an affair. Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. I just don't shit. care. The only time I'm ever going to care is if it's, you know, someone having an affair with someone who turns out to be a spy and now you've given them the codes to launch nuclear attack. Exactly. Then, then, then I'll be pretty much up in arms. Exactly. But apart, but apart from that, it's like... What two people that I will never meet and would probably hate if I did what they're doing. Like, I don't... I, just I don't, don't even care. care when it happens to my friends. <laughs> my friends will say... Such and such had an affair, or I had an affair, and I go, ah, well, okay, well, I hope you're working out. Yeah. Have you seen uh, the the second episode of Peacemaker? That's where (laughs) I go. Um, Up until the 24-minute mark of this film, uh, we've seen uh, a a quiet prologue, the discovery of the one female passenger dead, the ship crash, and then the astronauts bicker amongst themselves while avoiding rocks and sliding down Mm. steep Rocky Hills. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I write that down, it sounds lame, but it was also kind of thrilling. All of that. Uh, it's a bit scary too, and uh, the the weird scarecrows, the silence, the sudden glimpse of something following them. Oh, it's, that's a the, great shot. The mood setting is, and yeah, the camera great. angles is fantastic, isn't yeah. it? And the creepy music. The creepy music. Yeah. Uh, it takes its time, mm. you know. The, they use the silence as well. Mm. There's the hokey lightning flash, but it also right. discombobulates you as you watch it where you go, what? whoa, yeah. what's going on with this yeah. place? Yeah. Also, once again, uh, Charlton Heston being a perfect metaphor for America, they say, which direction we should go? He says, this way. <laughs> and they're like, why? And he's like, no reason. Yeah. And it's like, we just go in a direction. Yeah, that's right. Just keep moving forward. If those guys don't get killed and lobotomized, how long before they <laughs> kill him in the middle of the night, <laughs> or just leave? <laughs> just I, I, I don't think I don't think the uh, I can't remember the names of the other astronauts. There's one that's quite the, the man of science who yep. seems unperturbed by the I think situation. That's Landon. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that he. I think. Uh, He's fine with it all. I think the other guy, the coward, not coward, yeah. he's probably reacting the way a normal person would. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, the, oh my God, I just woke up and everyone I know and ever loved has been dead for thousands of years yeah. and I'm under the control of a fucking psychopath yeah. on a well, distant probably, planet. Like, funnily enough, they probably need Heston because he's, got, he's the guy yeah. that if some rock monster turns up is going to go up and try and punch it to death. Totally. So, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're probably... Technically, a good team. Yes. If they uh, if they can work together. Yes. Um, another great moment is it doesn't take Heston long to you know when they meet this version of humans mm. and it's 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 fascinating, isn't it? Like they get into the like they just turn up and are like, oh look at this water. They don't test it. They just strip yeah. off and jump in. Yeah. Like. I don't even like when I used to go to the gym, walking through and seeing a man's <laughs> willy. You know, but these guys are just like. You know, I, I've never, like, I've had friends who were uh, sportsmen 
who, you know, oh, yeah, you know, you chat together, you know, and you're just like, yeah, yeah. no, no, like when it comes to showering, like I, I like to shower with me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it's I, a job. As a child, as a teenager, I was always so relieved that I wasn't going to high school in America because I'd seen so many movies of like gym <laughs> yeah, class where all yeah. the fucking boys had to shower together. I'm like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> what is happening? Are you here? out of your mind? I'm being mocked on an hourly basis for being fat with my clothes on. I'm not fucking getting naked in front of all these people. See, I'm the. I was the opposite. I was super fit, so I didn't want people to feel bad. Oh, yeah, so right. I yeah, just didn't yeah. want to. Uh, you big girthy cock. You didn't yeah, want to make people feel mate, just the, like you know. <laughs> Someone put a leash on it. It's about to go off. But uh, <laughs> but it's funny, isn't it? Like, and then they and you know they they just it's like this kind of it's 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 probably the last moment of innocence that kind of occurs yes. in the film where they're just overjoyed to yeah. find this. They go diving, and yeah. then you just see these little hands going. We're going to take this and yeah, this yeah, and this, yeah. and then they're obviously don't know what this is. Discard, discard, discard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just uh, just to put a pin in the nakedness thing, I think it's also another uh, visual shorthand for just. Uh, comfort in your own masculinity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep, yep. And uh, you know, the other two guys have it as well. Yeah, which is uh, which is really. Well, they're still, you know, yeah, they're they're not as overtly uh, alpha alpha doggy as uh, Charlton Heston, but they're still pretty hardcore. Yeah, and like, they, they're two guys that have signed up to blast go, off their planet and leave behind everyone and you go know. somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, it makes me laugh a lot. Uh, when Heston sees like the one female and just goes, oh yeah, like I'm on another planet. I have no idea what this is. Yeah. Get a eh? yeah, exactly. I'm George Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he makes eyes really quickly. No, no. <laughs> it, far out. She's- this is this is how I feel like. Uh, I don't know if we've discussed this before, just when we're hanging out. But I my my absolute belief is uh. that if we ever meet aliens, we're either going to react in one of two ways. We're either going to try to fuck it or eat it. 100 percent or both. Yeah, <laughs> probably both. <laughs> You know, I could imagine, you know, an alien comes down, you know, meets the president, and then there's someone behind, and they say, oh, we've uh, bought you this fragrance barbecue sauce. Mm, that smells good. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, we're uh, frying up some calamari aliens. Uh, it is very funny, though. Uh, so, the first apes uh, turn up at the 32-minute mark. Yep. Once again, really good world building, yep. and it is thrilling, because you, you don't... Like, it, uh, in a lesser uh, director's hands, I think you'd just see something in the distance and it'd just be a zoom in and yeah, you go, yeah, what? Yeah. But instead, it's discombobulating because they're... Oh, it is chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. And it is... Uh, it's so exciting. And then yeah. they, uh, funnily enough, these apes immediately... Uh, well, the gorillas on the, on the horseback, horseback, they look as... Uh, for lack of a better term, masculine as our astronauts, and it's suddenly like, oh, this is, this is dangerous. This it's is formidable. not good. Yeah, and it, and I, and I love that it's shot almost like a nature documentary in that it's grabbed moments. Yeah, you know, there's no, the camera's like desperately swinging around trying to capture the action. It's yeah. not locked down. It's uh, you know, when you get that glimpse, that first zoom of the gorilla on horseback. Yeah, you know, it seems like it's. You know, like in a 70s nature documentary. Yeah. Like, oh shit, there it is. Quick. Yeah. Get the zoom. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not perfect. Yeah. Uh, which adds to the kind of, not just the chaos, but the realism of what's going on. Yeah. For want of a better word. Yeah, yeah. No, but like, you know, like, you know, that has happened to people. So yeah. that, so that 
is. Mm. Uh, where, where do you think the apes are positioned in terms of their evolution? Are they like 19th century, late 19th century? Uh, I'm never good with centuries. What do you say it in years? Like uh, 1800s? Like, so they're like, um, sorry. Pre-industrial uh, revolution. Yeah, when when were guns around? Like when do oh, guns around for ages? Yeah, like so sixteen hundreds, so, I think guns. Yeah, so I'm other. thinking are these somewhere between eighteen seventy to yeah, nineteen hundred yeah, yeah, yeah. around well, that definitely, period? Well, they don't have they don't have what we would call modern technology. Yeah, like they're definitely behind technologically behind what even humans were at that time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the fact that they, they they think that flight is an impossibility. Oh, yeah. They can't even conceive of flight. Yeah. Uh, even the paper airplane that comes out later, it's like, whoa. Oh, I know. It's, that's such a good scene, yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Um, I, I, I don't think there's probably any analogous time, but I would say, because, you know, Da Vinci came up with plans for a flying machine and yeah. that was in the 1600s. I think it's just, I think they're just a couple of hundred years behind us, you know, um, and maybe whatever technology they have is a relic from the the yeah. humans that used to Oh, yeah. So, yeah, their evolution would be uh, mm. compromised because they would have some stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, like, I don't think that they designed long-range rifles independent of us. They probably no. found long-range rifles, you know, learnt that technology. Well, that's part of the fascinating aspect of the mm. story is that there. it does seem like, uh, and we're not taking into account any of the other movies, but just from this film, mm. that there has been a secret knowledge passed down yeah. through uh, the decades, maybe just through the orangutan yeah. side of things yeah. where they do know more and... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's fun to kind of try and work out where they're at with stuff. And um, yeah. uh, it's also, uh, once Taylor is captured and being muted by injury, it is quite funny to see him not only thrown into a cage, but also kind of encouraged to mate with his uh, new gal, Nova. And it just made me think, wouldn't you love to know what pandas think when they're being forced to mate and watch panda porn? <laughs> like, are they just sitting there going, mate, like we've all made a decision. We're, we're, we're getting out of here. And uh, yeah, all right, I'll... I'll, yeah, put on the music. Let's go for it. <laughs> I've always been fascinated that they get them to watch videos. Oh, yeah. And, and, and in some instances, they even dress up in panda costumes and simulate sex for the it, pandas. Like, if, this is how you do it. And it's like, I love pandas. Don't get me wrong. They're beautiful animals. Yeah. But they're kind of not fit for life. Right. Like, they survive on they bamboo. They need a personal trainer. <laughs> yeah. They survive on bamboo, which has almost 0% nutritional value. So, they've got yeah. to eat all day. Yeah. The panda milk is so that's nutritional. Like, that's my diet at the moment, except instead <laughs> of bamboo, I'm on, I'm on light cruskets. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, obviously, a lot of their devastation is due to human hands. But, mm. um, you know, if they can't even fuck without people dressing up as the species and doing puppet shows for them, it's like, come on, dudes, come on. You know when you audition for that... <laughs> Uh, position, uh, and I, I use the term uh, very deliberately. Do you reckon there's like all these questions you have to ask? Like you're being, it's almost like, yeah. um, you know, Rick Deckard doing the the Voight test uh, <laughs> and asking questions, watching pupils dilate, and then asking, can you do this? Do you believe in pandas? Uh, are you a scientist? Blah blah blah. And then just at one point, you drop in, are you a furry? And then you see the pupil dilate, and they say uh, no. It's like you want to have sex with a panda. Get out. <laughs> You're not a man of science. Yeah, you're just... You're a weird fetishist. (laughs) Who wants to fuck pandas? (laughs) Don't come in here with your panda fucking ways. Panda fucker. Um, 
I just wanted to say panda fucker, <laughs> I've decided. Uh, the hierarchy is interesting. Gorillas are the military and labourers. Orangutans oversee government and religion. And the chimpanzees are doctors and scientists. Oh, yes. And they also have a religion of sorts. So, I, uh, what, what do you think? Is, is believing in a higher power something that is inevitable if you have consciousness? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think once you develop enough consciousness to be able to contemplate death, to be able to contemplate nature, all the rest. Mm. Basically, awesome, massive things that you have no other explanation for. I think that the intelligent conscious mind seeks answers. And yeah. so, if you can't understand, if, if you have no science, yeah. you, you know, I think it's human beings are storytellers. I think they will just, you know, I'm using human beings to encompass the apes as well. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, yeah, I think just the, the intelligent conscious minds tell stories and it's yeah. inevitable that a story, you know. I mean, I'd, you look at every single ancient human race in any country on the planet and all have creation myth, all yeah. have explanation for how the night turns to day yeah. and on and on and on and on. I just think it's, yeah, I think it's inevitable. And it's also, uh, it's a, a safety uh Valve in the yeah. in the head where you, you you see shapes and that that warns you and that's why you see faces in uh, trees yeah. and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, I did a little bit of uh, research last night just for this question and uh, it says that researchers believe that religion may fill the human need for finding meaning, sparing us from existential angst while also supporting social organisation. So it makes sense that totally. it uh, takes place with uh, this society. Well, as far as we know, we're the only animal that can ask the big questions. And so the asking of the question denotes an, a, a need for an answer. And yep. so in lieu of a... I don't mean to offend any religious people, but in lieu of a real answer, you're yep. just going to make an answer up that, that sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I was flicking through uh, the first. Yeah, uh, you, know, you know when you can't sleep and you don't want to read anything new because you know you're not going to take it in. So yeah, you just yeah, flick yeah. through something yeah. that you know. And I was flicking through the first volume of the Invisibles, and uh, you know, uh, the uh, uh, King Mob uh, makes a magic sigil and kind of prays to his avatar, and it's John oh, Lennon. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's and, right. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, I like the idea of that. Uh, totally, yeah, make I'll, your own religion. Yeah, yeah, I will. I'll have uh, David Bowie at the top. I, and, dude, uh, that's what my, my like. Whatever my spirituality is, it's mm. it's you know, I don't think it's true. It's yeah. not true in the literal sense. It's true for me, but it's yeah. definitely a cobbling together of yeah. this and that. Yeah, you know, it's not. I mean. Fuck all the old institutionalized religion. No offense again if you're into it, but it's a bit fucking naff, you know. To be- it's not to- very to- thrilling. Like it's, it's a real bummer, uh, and I've always felt this way, uh, even uh, since I was a kid. It's like oh, I wish we were into the Norse gods. Yeah, man, and you know, I mean, they're all the same thing, right? It's the whole Joseph Campbell thing. You yeah, know, all the gods are the same. They're they're just they're they're, they're wearing cultural drag. Yeah, it's all the same motivating force. But Jesus or whoever is not going to be appropriate for this certain culture at this certain time. And yeah. so the force presents itself in a different costume that makes sense to those people at that time. Which yeah. is why, I mean, you know, it's very popular now to say, oh, the Marvel heroes are, you know, the gods of the 21st century. But they, I do believe they are fulfilling that, not the same role because it's not the same level of spirituality connected to it. But, you know, they are the archetypes that yeah. humanity's always had. Uh, and, you know, as God slowly 
bleeds out and dies in modern society, you know, humans will still have that void that they need filled. Uh, and I think that that's, that that's probably what's happening now. Well, it's funny, isn't it? If you want to look at it that way, the, the, the Marvel Universe, uh, once again, people might be offended by this, but then again, I feel pretty confident that anyone who listens to this podcast is actually finding this to be some sweet heroin that they can inject <laughs> into their ears. Well, but and, the, and also, if you believe what you believe, two fuckwits talking on a podcast isn't going to destabilize no, no, you no, that no, too you'll much. Be so, you know, you'll, you'll be, be right, fine. Don't, like, don't, don't, like, we're not telling you you're wrong. We're just telling you what we think. But if yeah. you think about uh, the modern Marvel, Marvel movies, they are kind of a little bit more like the ancient myths where yeah. they bicker and they, they're incorrect and they yeah, make right. mistakes that's right. as well, yeah. which is... But yeah... Well, yeah so, well, sorry. No, as a kid, I was just like, oh man, Thor had a hammer and Moses had tablets. Let's believe in the hammer. Yeah, but you know, like some of the, the, the greatest Greek thinkers used to talk about the gods, the Greek gods as... They, they were like a tier above humanity, but they weren't the ultimate gods. Right. Because they had the flaws of humanity. Beyond yeah. beyond the Greek gods, there was this omnipresent divine entity that, I can't remember who it was, Protagoras or Anaxagoras, one of those guys, one of the pre-Socratics, they talked about, um, you know, that it's impossible to even contemplate the true face of God because it yeah. is, you know, it's like an ant trying to... Contemplate, contemplate a skyscraper like yeah. it can't just yeah. can't it's so outside of its realm of understanding yeah. and that you know that's what I default into you know I like my metaphors and I like my stories but ultimately yeah. to, to contemplate the true force creative force of the universe it's like the, the, please I'm, I, I'm an ape yeah <laughs> I'm a that's, monkey. What I, that's what I'm going to do the next time I see an ant I'm going to lean down and say you can't contemplate me <laughs> I am beyond you I'm not going to do it to a bird it'll attack me uh the patronization from Dr. Zira and Cornelius is perfect considering they're two of the, and I say this in inverted commas, better chimpanzees who do have empathy with the so-called beast that yeah. is Taylor. Yet when he writes his name and Dr. Zayas wipes it away, we suddenly realise he knows there is more going on than he has let on. Yes. This is confirmed for us when we discover he has lobotomised Landon. It's like... like that's the faith. It's... Uh, a great, great scene. I, I love that scene so much. You uh, cut him. Is the... <laughs> you took away his mind. <laughs> He's so good. Uh, is the curse of this culture not that they try to cover up the truth about humans, but they that they actually act so much like us? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's the... That's the that that that, that that's the that, that's the tragedy of Dr. Zayas is that he thinks that he's above human beings or better than and yet he you know how is he different from so many le- religious leaders you know i mean i i can't remember what it is I th- i've read some book or something about you know high-end religious leaders kind of being very freely admitting like yeah it's, it's all horseshit like, right, I, don't right. act- I don't actually believe this but yeah you know hey we're we're a crazy species and we need some kind of control mechanism so yeah. for the good of the greater good i will uh perpetuate this myth yeah well, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, because he, he does think he's above humans, but he's also in complete and utter fear of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's really, really... Um, I think he's in, I don't think he's in fear of humans. I think he's in fear of the destabilizing force that they represent. Yeah. That they will... If the knowledge of what they are truly becomes mainstream, it yeah. will destabilize the culture to a point where he has no control over it anymore. Yeah. Uh, Let's take a quick break and we'll be back after this. Thank 
thank you to Ben for joining me today. We'll be back on Thursday with part two of this podcast and some interesting squid bits to sign off on. Also, a big thank you to our Patreon subscriber of the episode, Taylor. I hope you enjoyed both parts of this podcast. And thank you so much for supporting my friends and me and the work that we are doing here. Uh, A lot of work goes into these podcasts and it is through you and all the subscribers that this work can continue to flourish. If you'd like to support our work here, please head over to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton underscore big squid to find a tier that suits you. I thought I was going to get that all out in one breath, but I just kind of ran out right at the end, didn't I? (laughs) Um, For anyone who would like to support us here, but money is tight and I get it. It's been a rough uh, couple of years, but um, if you would still like to support us, uh, what you can do is you can leave us a top review on Apple Podcasts or even suggest Big Squid to people who you think might enjoy our work. That's just as good, and I'd hate for you to uh, be out of pocket. Uh, But um, yeah, thank you very much for just listening in the first place. That's uh, good support right there and then. Let's finish today's podcast with a quote from Charlton Heston. The trouble with movies as a business is that it's an art, and the trouble with movies as art is that it's a business. Who knows when he said that, but it feels like it's still pretty relevant, doesn't it? Until then. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.